0: Becky. Becky, you're back. So are you. I know. <laughs> you called it. You said there's no way you're going to keep that up. Oh, what? I got like four episodes total? I think so. I think
1: I had four episodes. No, I think you did three. Mm. I think you did three. Yeah, three. Because there was, there was our final one that aired or uh, was published the week after I had the baby. And then three more after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you called it. Well, you called it. You said there would be none, but I'll give you the
0: benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, I, you know, things got busy. Uh, yeah, there's a little, there's there a little, uh, little bit of busyness in my life and uh, around here in ITC, so it, it got pretty. Uh, Got pretty crazy. So yeah, I, I I took a break, but I'm happy to have you back because uh, it's it's so much easier whenever I'm not the one doing all the research of going, okay, this is what we're <laughs> going to do. This is what we're going to talk about. All that type of stuff is like,
1: oh, Becky's back. It's awesome. <laughs> well, you are forgiven mm-hmm. as long as we continue and don't let this happen again. <laughs> Bad <alert>. Laird. <laughs> <laughs> so did uh, you enjoy your time off? I did. Yeah. I did. I'm glad to be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did, I, I enjoyed my 12 weeks with my kids. That I, you, you know, I,
0: I can't imagine taking 12 weeks off at work. I I know I do my whole sabbatical every year in November, but that's just four. Mm-hmm. doing two more. The, at the end of that, I'm like jonesing. Like I'm looking at my phone going, please can an email come <laughs> in so I have something to do.
1: Well, uh, okay. So to be fair, it is hard, especially, you know, I love my job. I love what we do and it it can – it was hard at times feeling so disconnected. Mute that phone. Awesome. That's uh, all me. <laughs> that was layered. Um No, it can be hard at times to be so disconnected and not knowing what's happening. This time for me was different. This was my third maternity leave. Um And whereas before I was really almost completely unplugged, we had some things going on at ITC that were quite monumental Mm -hmm. that you made sure I was up to date on. Yeah, well,
0: whenever whenever everything that – whenever you're going through a transition where – um, ITC gets, uh, you know, gets a majority investment from a private equity firm for the first time in its 35-year history, and it, it's you know, and then a lot of people changing roles, a lot of new directions that you, you're doing, and whenever change is involved, you definitely need someone that's uh, good at the marketing side being involved because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it is marketing. Because uh, as as I said to you, is, uh, is in calling you out, it's like everything is marketing.
1: As as I have on a print in my office, yes, everything. is is marketing. You hated that. I called you. That. <laughs> <laughs> you use my own philosophy against me. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, it worked and it, uh, it did its job. Yes. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, in since it's, it's kind of getting to a point now where things are getting back into the groove. We really talked about it lately that, y- you know, these, these, a lot of times monumental changes happen to companies where they're just, you know, they're moving locations and corporate offices and they're, they're getting rid of, half their staff to hire new staff or, you know, a, a big transformation. And we were talking that it really hasn't happened. And it's kind of neat to see that it's neat to see the the side of how it's supposed to work whenever you're going, okay, we're, we're really trying to be in a growth mode. And, you know, th- that's what a lot of agencies these days are, are needing to do mm-hmm. is to decide, are they going to sell, are they going to grow? Those are those two. Well, there's a third option, which is the bad option is die. <laughs> yeah. So you've got grow, sell or die. And that's, you know, that's
1: the dilemma that's hitting a lot of uh, agencies these days. I think unfortunately for some for many agents, there's no more status quo. You're either going up or you're going down. Yeah, no, that's you're 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 uh, dying or
0: are growing. That's there is no like oh well just doing the same because we we say that all the time that if you're just you know always doing what you've always done you always get what you always got you right. know if you're just going to say stay the same then you're not doing much and I, I really try to always tell agents this is the time to grow. In fact, um, Stuart and I are going to be doing a thing at the Agents Alliance on the Sunday Saturday. Or the, the Sunday The brunch. Sunday morning. Yeah. We're we're gonna have a real back to fo- back and forth about how insure techs Well, you know, they are making an absolute change to the industry. It's not that they're coming in and impacting things, but in the sense of like taking business and all that, they're just transforming how people view insurance and how they want to see that kind of grow, you know, how they want to interact with insurance moving forward. And, you know, people need to decide, are they going to get on the bandwagon or are they not? And a lot of people are deciding not. That's why a lot of companies out there are a lot of, um, Agencies are going through M and A, where they're sitting there going, "Oh, there's a there's a lot of stuff that I can do. There's uh, I, I, but I just don't want to." And so they sell. And so that's why M and A is so strong these days in the insurance industry.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've, you've talked about it a lot before. Where you know our account numbers, the number of accounts we have, is is starting to shrink, but our user count mm-hmm. is going up. Yeah. Because of the M&A activity. Yeah. And we, we see whenever an agency,
0: like whenever we see a same store agency, so we see an agency that buys one of our other agencies, we actually see the numbers go up. We see them have more users, more volume, more everything, because what they've done is they've taken the philosophy that's worked elsewhere and brought it in. And there's no change. The agency could have done that themselves. They could have streamlined processes using technology, made sure that they had the right number of carriers. One of the things that always just gets me is care agencies that have, Oh, I have 30 carriers. Really? Okay. So let's just make it. So my math is a little bit easier this late on a Friday, but uh, you've got a hundred or you know 20 carriers. Well, that means if you equally distribute it, there's something you're only putting 5% of your business through each carrier. No carrier is happy with that. They're not the darling in the room. They're not going to do anything special. They're not going to do anything to to really drive more and more from you. And that's why you see a lot of the larger agencies and the really successful agencies have no more than 7 to 10 carriers. Because they're like, well, even if I distribute a yearly at 10, at least they're getting 10% of my business. But that's not how it really works. Because it's generally the four or five get the majority of your business and all the other ones are specialty that they're like, Oh, well in this specific case, this carrier, which they know this carrier knows that they write the best here. And so they can do that. Yeah.
1: So now that you are Mr. CEO, mm-hmm. <laughs> what to hear. Is, you've had three months almost to get used to it. How Still is it? Here, but, well, no one really calls me that. <laughs> so they don't call you Mr. CEO. <laughs> no, they just
0: call me. Um yeah not <laughs> not not valid for radio edit on
1: that one. So what what does this change at ITC? What has you excited about it? You know it it's the opportunity.
0: It's that you know having The backing and the mindset of where a private equity is not just – and this is one thing I can say about XLKKR is that they are more focused on operational success. And not, it's not this whole little, let's run a playbook and let's do all this type of stuff. They are like, how do we make you successful? And there's a lot of areas that we had to, I mean, a hard look, we had to sit down and say, you know, ITC was not doing great in this area. Let's, let's improve that. And instead of being at it on our own, we're now can share in that we can pull in expertise and consulting to figure those things out and see how other firms have done and been successful of it. And once you take that, and you apply it to the great team that we have here and the fantastic products that we have here. Then all of a sudden you can do something great. And I, that's how I wake up every single morning is I'm going to do something great today. It's not, I'm, you know, a lot of times it is just one thing. I go, I'm going to do this today. It's going to be awesome at the end of the day because I've completed it. And so those little micro goals, but now as CEO and under, you know, a new direction for ITC, where we're really going forward. Those micro goals are adding up to be a much larger process and the successes can be bigger and they can be grander and everybody can share them up here at ITC. That's, that's, what's got me excited.
1: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. What has CEO met your expectations Has being CEO met your expectations? <laughs> Or has anything surprised you, I guess? Um, the,
0: the surprising thing that always comes in whenever it's like the CEO is just the breadth of it is um, I'm definitely not the uh, stay-at-home golf uh, – in golf CEO. I'm definitely show up every single day, still travel, still do everything that I do be- did before. Um, but it's really – the thing that is – the really great is to see what happens across the organization, have insight into every little thing that sometimes I would just go, well, that's not really my job. I mean, it's not, you know, finance, right. you know, the finance. I'm like, let's see handle it. I got it's my job. I got some other things to focus on. But now I get some insight into that. And then it's fun. There's a lot of fun things that you can you go. You go, oh, cool. We could fix that. I didn't know we were doing that. That's awesome. You know, you get these insights across the board a CEO that you're, you can sit there and look into. And as an agency owner or any business owner, I I don't get the whole absentee owner. I I just don't get it. I don't get someone who is always, you know, golfing, always on vacation, always taking trips and junkets and all those types, types of things. You can't improve your business and you can't, you know, walk, walk away every single day going, man, I did something great today. If you're not there. Right.
1: And so, I think there's also if you're not there, you end up planting a seed of resentment that can grow as you continue to be absent in your team that you've left behind. Yes, you you may have trusted them to run your business, but you are not involved, and so ultimately, you know you're still the owner. Mm -hmm. You're still the one supposedly making the calls, but you're not there. So. If, if this team you've left behind has to run everything up to you and you're making calls but you're not there, that's just resentment that grows. Yeah, and it's
0: it's goes into a balance as well because while you need to be there as an owner, you also don't need to micromanage. Right. You need to put that – give that trust and say, hey, I am here to support you. That's why I always like the, uh, the inverted um, – uh,
1: Organizational chart.
0: Oh, yeah. um, Where, you know, the reality of it is shit rolls downhill and it should, and it should roll down to me. Yeah. And, and I'm at the bottom supporting it all up top. That's why I've always been a fan of that because it's the visual is so much better yeah it's not i'm the top of the pyramid, you know the glowing star on the back of the you know the one dollar bill or the golden <laughs> pyramid in Egypt or anything like that it's the other way around it's the the trough it's hey, all the crap is down here, and you guys were supporting you, but if anything filters through down to me, I will be there to support it, right, leadership by service correct, and so i I've it's it's neat to do that because I've been able to, to say a lot more, what can I do to help? It's no longer, hey, I need this done because at that point it was my job to get stuff done. It was, hey, we need to do this marketing campaign. We need to make this change of features because a customer is asking for it. All these types of things. But now I have someone asking those questions. I have someone going, what do we have to do? In fact, there's a meeting going on. Uh, next week where you know, we're going field by field through our products and going, what do we need to do here? How do we improve this? How do we think about this differently? And, you know, his whole thing is like, well, what do I need to do to help? And if it's just me sitting in that meeting, giving my two cents, that's perfect. Yeah. So that's the other balance of it is is while you don't – you need to be involved, you also don't need to micromanage. Yeah. You don't need to be doing it yourself. That's yeah. what you have your team for. And – you know, um, I heard so many great people that, that have said this and, you know, I know you personally, I've said the story before with, with Michael Dell is that, um, there's a process, there's a process of, if you want to have a successful business, hire people smarter than you and have people smarter than me. And while, while some people would say, and <laughs> say that's an impossibility sometimes, <laughs> but the reality is, is that while I'm good at a lot of stuff. I'm not great at everything. And so having people that are better at sales and marketing and development and finance, all that, like, you know, I I started taking like finance courses, you know, to better understand finance and Mm -hmm. to go through and understand all the little intricacies, even though I don't need to know it fully in that regard. It's just having that really good base, but also it allows me to provide the same questions back to make sure that I am involved.
1: Yeah. I, along the same lines, I somebody, I heard somebody say once, and I don't remember who it was, uh, that if you're always the smartest person in the room, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You just, <laughs> you just got a whole bunch of dumb people with
0: you. And that's, that, that's, I mean, okay, that's, that's alertism right there. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, I, I can't sugarcoat that any, any which way is that if you are the smartest, it's a perfect line. Just if you're the smartest person in the room, then, then you've surrounded yourself with dumb people. And you don't need that. And businesses don't need that. And if you have someone that you are, you do something better than them, then mentor them. Right. That's, I've always said, you have to mentor. That's the, you know, I've never been a, a big fan of the whole teaching thing. Cause you know, just teaching and, and saying, go off into the world. That's different. Then mentoring, because right. mentoring is actually teaching through example, keep teaching through coaching, teaching in a one-on-one situation where you can actually build someone. And you know the the best thing that you can ever do is effectively, you know, teach and train your replacement. Right. Because you you know my seven year rule. That if you're doing the same job for seven years, then you might want to start looking to do something else. Right. Because, you know, then you're just stuck in that rut. And agency owners or really any business owner can have that same thing where they're stuck in this rut. And they should say, well, how do I change this? How do I transform myself, my company, how I'm doing things and and move forward with that?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you have – I mean you have to challenge yourself. and. You know there have been I think I'm pretty sure there have been studies. I think I heard this some at some point in like sports for example that putting putting yourself next to someone in a race who's a little bit faster than you pushes you to go faster. Absolutely. And the same thing is is true in business. If you find someone who is going to who is a little bit better than you at something, you're going to push yourself that much harder to get better and you will become even better than you were before. Yeah, I, I, in sports, I've got the
0: perfect example of that is that I'm actually fairly good at racquetball. A lot of people don't see, see me being as really good at racquetball, but I'm pretty good at racquetball. And the reason why is I played it quite a bit um, back in my uh, late 20s, early 30s, and um, I got pretty good. And then I met him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this guy, he comes on. Hey, that was a pretty good set. Um, Mind if I I jump in? You know, this guy strolls on. He's, uh, He's like 74 years old and, you know, he's frail. I'm like, okay, well, you know, he's been playing for a while and all that. He proceeded to beat me down. I mean, absolutely mop the floor with me, take me outside, beat me a little bit more, leave me for dead in the parking lot. And then he went inside and told his friends how bad he beat me. He destroyed me. Yeah. Turns out he is a senior racquetball champion, like nationally, senior racquetball champion. <laughs> mop the floor with me. And... I saw it as a challenge. Like I, I got myself back up, and I just kept going after him. I like every single time he was there. I was like, "Hey, let's go, let's go, let's go." And what I was doing is, I was learning. I was learning and watching and understanding, and it made me significantly better. And one day, I beat him. One day, one. Day. <laughs> I beat him. And then they actually tore down the club. But, um, but you know, you had could, done it. Yeah, I would. I, I think I tore down the club. I think they got a notice in the office that said, Laird beat Jim at racquetball. And therefore, we could just go ahead and close up business, you know, walk away. <laughs> hero. I guess that's kind of what, he, what they did. But um, from this day, I still remember and I still play the way he taught me. Yeah. Like he taught me to be extremely defensive is play to someone's weakness all the time. You know, all of these types of things that, you know, in racquetball, it's such a fast sport that if you allow someone to crack a ball two inches off the ground, there's not much likelihood that you're going to have a chance to pop it back when it comes back off the wall. And so you make sure that you're just playing always for that perfect shot. Mm-hmm. And that whole defensive thing. And, you know, I was watching Star Trek yesterday, and Data um, was playing uh, uh, Stratagemma, I guess this is. And he's against a, a universe master at Stratagemma. And he loses. How does Data, the android, lose at this game? And then he realized that instead of trying to win, he was always just trying to, um, you know, maintain a balance mm-hmm. and wait for that one moment that he could actually get. Ca- get in there. And instead of actually winning, he just got to the point that the guy got so frustrated and and walked away. But the same thing was happening with racquetball. And the same thing happens with business is just wear them down, work at it, find where you can actually improve yourself, find those little things. And that's kind of how you attack your competition. When you're looking at, you know, how do you go against someone like progressive or Geico or any of these direct riders, uh, state farm, all state farmers, all these guys, how do you go against them? As an independent agent. And it's by doing, waiting for that perfect moment is always working to make sure you're ready for that perfect moment. And then when that perfect moment strikes, you go for it. And there's a lot of those perfect moments coming up these days because um, a lot of carriers that have done direct are realizing that independent agents have the leg up because consumers want choice. And by that, having that choice gives them the opportunity to sell. You know, like if I only have one product to sell, I can only sell it to a certain amount of people. But if I have ten products to sell, then I can sell it to a wide range of people, and that's that's what gives IA some real power. Absolutely. What else? (laughs) I mean. So no, no, I got a question for okay, you. Okay, fair. Is you haven't been back for long, but no. um, what is what has been kind of your look at like how ITCs change? Even though we've it hasn't changed much, but what do you kind of see?
1: I think we are formalizing certain processes that hadn't been formalized before, in a way that is easier for us to repeat and scale um, and maintain. Whereas before, there was a lot that wasn't kind of written down. We just did things and nobody kind of stopped and thought about why we do them or, to, or thought to put that process down and said, this is how we do it and why we do it. Um, so I think having – starting to make those changes in that sense is going to make it easier for us to implement what we need to, like you said, to grow. Yeah. And small, you know,
0: really any small business, and I'm not saying this is actually applied here at ITC, but I've seen it in other businesses for sure, is um, the whole, we'll get them next month type of mentality. Yeah. You know, ah, it was a bad month. All right. Well, we'll get them next month. We're good. And, you know, money's flowing in. It's all happy and all that. And again, this is the complacency that a lot of agencies and business owners come into play where they're like, well, it's good enough. I I I had a good month. If you have a okay month, what kept it from being great? What could you have done to make it great and then reapply that? And it's that micro you know it's observe, uh orient, you know, decide and execute right it's that o- oda loop you know it's you just do that constantly. you know say how did we do you know and if if you don't have those metrics that you talked about things that you can measure yourself to consistently and allow those metrics to change over time of course but if you don't have those consistent metrics then you don't you don't know how to compare yourself to last month previous month and all that and you don't know long term if you're growing or dying um that old uh ex- um, exercise that I do with um, agents where I sit them down and I go, okay, well, let's look about how your retention um, can be hurting you. Let's go through that exercise and going and th- because it can be masking something because if, you know, long-term, if let's say you have a 95% retention rate, that means you're losing 5% of your customers year over year effectively. Well, If your sales is not outpacing that five percent, then you're actually shrinking, even though you have this really good retention, because you're missing that little number. You you know, you're only growing by two percent, and you're losing five percent. But you need to be growing by seven percent, because if you're growing by seven percent and you're losing five percent, then that's technically you're growing at two.
1: It's net growth of two. Yeah,
0: and so it's people people allow their their retentions because with the other thing that happens with in the insurance industry is commissions. Well, as premiums go up, commissions go up. And so someone can have uh, a you know, renewal um, that that has happens and they just say hey, the price has gone up, you know, insurance changed, risk has increased, and the agency actually gets more commission because they got a percentage of the premium which went up. And that's another thing that can actually kind of miss you can kind of miss because what's going on is you, you just see your pre your commissions going up and up and up and up and you're like, I'm doing great. Well, what is your average commission by customer? What is your retained commission? All these numbers, um, you know, you have to be able to measure them. And, uh, that's one thing I've seen a lot of, uh, agency business owners do is they don't run their agency like a business hmm. and it's a fault. It, it, it was a fault of mine too whenever I had my business is that I was really good at consulting. I could, you know, I was technically adept. I I could go out there and do really anything. I was smart. I knew how to contact people. If I had problems, all of that stuff I had, but I didn't have the real business sense. And that's one thing that I, I realized about halfway through. I'm like, Oh crap, I've got to go become a businessman. You have to be a business person first then you can take it and apply what you're really good at. Because a lot of times that we see agencies that are open by the really good salesperson, they might be really good at selling insurance but it takes a lot more to run a business, and so you know that's that's where I had to put my pride away a little bit back. Whenever I was consulting, I had to say, "Well, maybe I should walk away from this. Maybe I should walk away from doing the day to day, and focus on being a better business
1: person." I don't think many people are capable of that, though.
0: No, no, I,
1: I, but no,
0: there, there's there's not a lot of people that are inherently good at business. But also I think that being good at business is something that can be learned. Absolutely, It's not, it's not one of those things that, because I had to learn it. I'm, I'm intuitive. I'm pretty smart, but I had to go learn how to be a business person. And, you know, so that's the willingness to learn, the willingness to always be open to new ideas, new growth, new, new, new directions, always having. And that's what I think is actually my, thing that I bring to every table is just, I'm, I'm open to it. I'm open to something new, learning, doing whatever it may be, something new. And so if it takes me having to go take a class and you know how to run a business, I'll go do it. Right. And you learn it, but then that's where metrics come in. You lay out the metrics, you say, Hey, here, here's all the things I like. And then boom, you, you can uh, always follow them and you match them and you go, these are working. These aren't And the numbers. Don't lie.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's always been my philosophy too is just because I graduated and I now have a degree or two on my wall, that doesn't mean I'm done learning. The world doesn't stop with what I learned in, in school. There's been so much more in the last 13 years since I graduated that was not around when I was in school. So if I just took what I learned and said, that's it, I'm done learning – then I failed at my job. So that that has always been my philosophy, and what I look for, especially when I'm hiring, is: Do you have that attitude as well? Because if you don't, there's you're not going to be able to bring me, my team, or ITC what we need. Yeah, and it goes back to what we we're talking about mentoring too.
0: Yeah, is that the amount of stuff that you learned from your teachers while great and gave you a nice little base was not reality it was in reality comes in multiple forms someone who's done it who does it daily i'm not knocking teachers or education or anything (laughs) right now that's another topic but um you know you've done it but also just doing it yourself failing i mean just failing right i the there is no better teacher than you falling flat on your face and getting your butt kicked by a 74 year old uh, racquetball player there's no better teacher because it says, "Oh, you're not as good as you thought." Here's some things you can do. Let's yeah. improve it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's the optimist to me, but I always hope that most people are that self aware, where they can they realize where they're they're missing some information, and are willing to figure it out. Is that always the case? No, but. That that's just the optimism that pe- I'm hoping most people are self aware that this, the IE channel will continue to to grow because most people are going to look at it and go I don't know everything I need to find somebody who can teach me or somebody who can help me
0: yeah well the then then you got the other side is that you have people that
1: you know will go
0: and this this applies to developers mostly in my in my history is that I always tell developers hey. You know, try to figure it out without looking at a book, just r- sheer knowledge, try to figure this problem out for the first 10 minutes, then spend the next 10 minutes researching it online. Because I mean, even back in, you know, whenever I first coded, you know, when I was first doing websites back in 95, um, my first website said 100% recycled HTML at the bottom of it. Cause I just stole the whole thing in 95. I had no clue what I was doing. But there were so many resources, even in '95. Granted, you were honest about it. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, you know, even in '95, it was it it was a hard it was hard to find uh, resources out there.
1: Yeah, Google wasn't around yet.
0: Exactly, and you. But you know, I, I used CompuServe. I just dated myself nicely. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a BBS effectively and asked questions about HTML, and. Um, But now there's so many resource code samples. Everybody's done it. There's nothing new. Um, You know, there's new technologies that you can implement, but someone's already told uh, there's no new ideas when it comes to programming. You're really just making the computer do what it's doing, especially with a uh, compiled language. And uh, so then after 20 minutes, so now you're 10 minutes on your own, 10 minutes researching. I'll give you an extra five minutes to apply what you learned. And then by the 30 minute mark, you had better be talking to someone. Yeah. Because there's no, no sense of wasting half a day trying to figure something out whenever someone else just goes, Oh, yeah, I've done that before. In fact, I've got a full code block already in our code that does everything you want. That's, you know, the willingness to learn the, that, that, that encompasses it all. The try to, to figure it out, you know, just the, the sheer will to figure it out. Then the actual, you know, am I able to learn research, apply the skills I learned in college research and learn and take away? If not, then ask someone, go for that mentoring. And you know, there's, there's one thing when it comes to dot net development that I, I still don't just get, I mean, I can code it. I, I can actually type it out. And that's what I'm talking about. I type it out because <laughs> it's not even me coding. It's not my normal coding uh, flow, but it's link um, L I N Q. Um, I, I don't know it. And then I talked to other people here at ITC and they're like, Oh, that's the most powerful thing in the world. I was like, I get that. It's powerful. I see how it's powerful. It's just, it doesn't work for me. And they're like, it's like SQL, but backwards. And I'm like going granted, I know SQL, I know programming, but I don't get this. And like my brain doesn't wrap it around. And so in the end I had to defer. Yeah. I had to just say, I can't do this.
1: Yeah. That's, I think the most important lesson you can learn in business that I was fortunate enough to learn. And my first job out of school because I had a boss who – he said, don't, don't just bring me problems. Bring me solutions. And he expected me to think through it on my own and bring some recommendations to him. I didn't have to have the solution. I just had to have thought through it first on my own. And whether you're developing or, or doing marketing or doing – selling insurance, I think that applies across the board. It does. It's – and, and the last thing is
0: I love business. I think business is so great. Why? I, I think that Why? you it's, it presents new challenges every single day. And yes, you know, Grant, and I would love to go fly around all the time and, you know, just put around and maybe go play golf and swim and, and enjoy the summer on some beach or in some mountain range. I, I would love to do that. Just that that doesn't supply the, the challenge. And business gives you that challenge on a daily basis. And it's beyond just, well, this is my job today. This is what I'm going to do. That's great. There's many days that I come in here and I do the exact same thing I did the day before. It's just my routine for those days. But there's other days I was like, okay, I busted that out. I worked extra hard the first part of the week so that I can do this the next part of the week. And they're just odd projects. You know, it's just – you know, stepping away it stepping away from my normal grind and applying something I've learned, something I want to learn, something that challenges me. And in business you can find that all the time. It's it's something that you see regular results out of, good or bad. I'm like, hmm, press this button, it does that. You know, you get to you get to pull the levers, and anybody in any organization has the ability to pull those levers. They're able to influence the overall organization through their job and through their having a voice. I love it. Whenever you go to a jury service and they say the people that are quiet generally get picked and business is uh, very, very much opposite of that is that people that are vocal, that bring their voice and make it heard and say, this is what I want to see it and not be like, you know, just like a petulant child throwing a fit on the ground. It's more like this is why I should do it. They bring the business case. They apply it. And if it's a good business case, then they you're able to move forward. Otherwise, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And this is where being a good manager comes in is going, well, let's talk about why this won't work and find out a way that we might be able to apply this. So there's daily challenges up and down within an organization. And then it's the one thing that you have 80, 1,000, 10,000, 50,000 people going towards a common goal. And this, this applies even to a two person agency is that you have a common goal that you're going, this is what our goal is. This is what we want to do. Well, let's do it. We're doing it together. That together could be two people. It could be a hundred thousand people, but having that common goal, working towards that common goal as a group, as a team, as a tribe is fun. And that's why I love business.
1: Yeah. I think we've blown through our time. Did we? Yeah. Already? Wow, It went by fast.
0: <laughs> and why didn't I just do these more often? Just because I mean, you know, pop them out like every 30 minutes. I'm really
1: so. surprised you didn't like do one of just yourself talking for 30 minutes.
0: Oh, th- that was I, I did some poll on Twitter. Was, should I go at it alone or should I have someone to talk to? And it was overwhelming. <laughs> only one person actually said it was, it was you. Son of a, I <laughs> You would have loved to hear that because you'd be like, hmm. All right, well, I do have a couple degrees on the wall. It's uh, I have eighty of them because it is boiling in my office today, and the <laughs> thermostat says eight zero at this point, or something like that. Like it would just be a tra- a complete stream of conscious thought. <laughs> I'd probably start the day off at uh, you, you know uh, how to market your agency better, and end up on how I ended up on a uh, on a boat in uh, chicago overlooking the chicago skyline <laughs> you, you don't you know i wouldn't know how uh, it would just it would just go off the rails it would have been entertaining though mm, that's what they all say right <laughs> uh well i guess uh, we should wrap it up you got any last words for your first one back
1: let's see if i can remember some of this <laughs> it's been a while uh so I don't think we'll have any links to show notes, any links to put in, the, the, in this episode's show notes, but if you want to see the show notes, you can visit insurancehappyhour.com. Uh, if you have any thoughts about our, this rambling stream of consciousness, I think we've bounced around several topics, um, you can send them to contact at insurancehappyhour.com, I believe is that email address? It is. Okay, good. I got that right. Um, and then Laird is L. Ricksford on Twitter, and I am Becky L. Schroeder on Twitter, if you want to reach us there. We're actually Twitter people. We are Twitter we people. We actually tweet. I converted you.
0: you. You did. Well, I wasn't anybody. I wasn't anything before then. I, was, <laughs> I, I do like Twitter because the one thing I love about Twitter, and I don't really look at it at all is the tweets and retweets and the, or the retweets and the favorites and all that is, is that it seems like Facebook has become a popularity contest of how, you know, Oh, look who liked it, who loved it, who did this, who did that. And, and Twitter honestly for me is throw it out and just forget, set it, forget it. I mean, I know it gets a lot of people in trouble and I can tell you that all of my tweets go through about five revisions in my brain because I'm making sure it's like, okay, okay, yeah, you know, am, am I saying it right? You, know, you can get in some serious trouble with Twitter these days, but uh, it's just kind of one of those fire and forgets, and I, I like that. It's one yeah. of the things I like.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I think we, I think we, you know, we did get approved for TuneIn while you were gone. Did so, we get
1: approved on Stitcher? Uh, I believe so. Awesome. And, and then, so um, still waiting on Spotify. <laughs> let's update that. Uh, subscribe, won't you, on yes. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. One of those places. Waiting
0: on Spotify. I've asked multiple times on Spotify, so we're waiting. Awesome. Yep. I've, I've had people go, I would listen to it if it was on Spotify. I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> we're everywhere now. <laughs> you know, listen. Oh, well it's, it's, uh, well, it's great to have you back. I'm glad to be back. It's been fun.
1: Thanks for listening.